Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And um, the four blades are back. Not in the pub, unfortunately. We're on Zoom. I'm John, and I'm delighted to be back on Zoom with my good friends this evening. I'd want to say hello, Dan. Good evening. Evening, everyone. Good evening, Phil. Hello. Good evening, Ian. Hello. So, yeah, the, four, the original Four Blades back. First of all, I just want to say uh, the first ever Four Blades I missed was the last uh, last episode, and Ben from Blades Pod did a sterling job. But obviously that was quite a while ago now. We'd signed some players. You guys did a great job talking about it. And we've played some games with those new players. And I think there's a hell of a lot to talk about. We've got seven points in a week. Probably should have been nine. Some very, very bright sparks and still some areas of concern. So lots to talk about. But we'll start with obviously yesterday's trip to Hull. Short trip and and three points. And Ian, you went. So do you want to kick us off with how you saw the game? Thanks. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a strange game because it felt like we never really got out of second gear at all. Um, it could have been more comfortable than it was, and I think the frailties we saw at the back are still there, particularly down that left side. Um, I'm still not convinced by Norrington Davis. Um, Davis added some strength to that left side but he, he, he couldn't be much worse than Jack Robinson's been to be fair um, so I think when they, when we conceded the goal at, to make it 3-1 and they had the chance just after which I didn't see the flag go up for at the time in the stadium but I thought you know if they'd made it 3-2 then I feared we would have crumbled and we still look a little bit mentally we're not mentally quite tough enough yet and we're not mentally tough enough and probably quite assured enough to see out games and you know Jumping back to midweek, that that was clearly the case there. Um, but I do worry at the minute that, and I know there were changes yesterday. Obviously, there was a change between uh, a team being announced and kickoff. But we're so reliant on Gibbs White to to give us something different. Um, and Bruce that couldn't give us that. Didn't really do anything for me yesterday, really. Um, McBurney had the chance when he came on, but there's no, without that kind of link that Morgan gives White gives us, we still look a, a bit limited. You know, it needs that it needs him to be playing for everyone else to play off. So I probably, and I, I think someone felt I sounded a bit negative on on my tweet about the game yesterday last night, and I'm not. I'm just trying to ground myself in some realism after you know seven points from the week's great, but there'll be tougher tests to come and tougher teams might you know exploit some of these weaknesses we've still got. I think that's, there's lots you've picked up on there, Ian. Um, some individual performances and obviously the one name that everyone's talking about is Morgan Gibbs-White and Dan um, and, and Phil, both of you are very taken with him. Dan, what's, like, would you agree with Ian? Without him, we don't have anything creatively? Well, absolutely, 100%. Without him, we're back to Kind of what we were before, it's fairly obvious, but we're back to what we were before the transfer window, which is a load of players who can pass the ball and a very steady eddy, but no one who can do anything out of the ordinary, anything, no one that can do anything that's going to change a game, you know, on, on one second of brilliance. Um, and that's it's a it's still a bit of a worry because obviously, you know, two, three months from now, we've got the possibility he might go back to Wolves, but in the meantime, you know, if he gets injured. There's not a, there's nothing like a ready-made replacement that I can see anyway in the squad. 
I wonder whether Ndai could be um, a ready-made replacement in the sense that he's not really a forward, he's not a midfielder, he's that kind of in-between, like, link, like a number 10 sort of thing. I wonder because whether he's the closest we've got. He's probably the closest we've got, but it's not It's not Gibbs-White's link play that makes him what he is, it's his dynamism, mm. that kind of wanting to... The little bits he does out of the ordinary, the little flicks around the corner, little touches, little step-overs. And Dye looks good, but he's a, he's a different player to that. He never stops moving as well, Gibbs White. If you watch him, he's all over the place and he's always wanting the ball. And when he gets it, his head's always up and looking forward, which is something we've been critical of for a while, really, that we've been very negative at times with the ball and haven't taken enough gambles and enough risks when it comes to trying to create something. And we, we haven't really had that kind of player since Duffy. And that, that's what you want. And like you, you just said it there, that risk. And, it, you know, six, seven times out of ten, it might not come off. You have to kind of accept that with players like that, that nothing's going to come off ten times out of ten. You know, if, mm. if he tries, you know, he's all right. In the last three games, that little flick that he does, where he gets it into feet and just flicks it through and then spins, that's come off and that's actually created goals and chances. That might not come off for another three or four games. But you don't want him to stop doing it. No. You don't want him to get frightened of doing it. You want him to keep doing it because it is going to come off eventually. The um, the first goal yesterday is cross for sharp. What was so good about it? So the Bulldog's there and it's created the overload. And then we work the ball back into the middle and where previously the ball then go back out. And once again, the only option for Bulldog would be to go back in the middle. There was a forward player who Gibbs White received it. Thought, well, I can't get anywhere here. Back to Bulldog. I think it was Fleck. Went in, back to Fleck and out. And then Gibbs White just went, just peeled off a bit and then he accelerated and he hit that cross relatively early. And so, like, his man was so close to him, but the quality of the ball was so, was so, like, so hard to defend against. And obviously, apart from, well, we could talk about it all day, but, like, you wouldn't want it to fall at the minute to anyone but, but Sharp. If you're a strike, it was a perfect, perfect ball to be whipped in to be finished. But one thing about Gibbs White I want to say is, like, I expected him to be an improvement on what he had, but I didn't think he was this good. I had no idea he'd be this good. But then that comes with the caveat of two promoted sides and a home game against Preston, having scored six in the previous game, you'd maybe expect him to be playing with confidence. But he looks every bit that level above. And I think maybe it's something to do with the fact that we've been burnt like this in the past, but we're all already worried that he's going back rather than actually thinking about what he can do whilst he's here. doesn't help that Wolves are doing poorly as well. Yeah, we need them, we need them to do well, don't we? Really? Yeah, we do. We need them to we need them to pick up because if they're like they are now, there's every chance that they're going to you know, back in January. I think if he stays if he stays for the season with us, there's every chance he'll be player of the season in the championship. Oh, he's comfortably one of the best players in the league, from what I can tell. And I'm not going to profess to sit down and watching every game every week and being an expert, but from what I can tell, I just think he's just a cut above. Just, I'm just trying to look like because I think in those four, in the three that play behind, well, Jimenez, um, Wolves have got a few injuries. Obviously, they've got they've got that Trincao as a new signing, and um, Traore plays there. They've signed uh, Huang, which is a great great name. But there's a couple of uh, like they've got like is it like Podence and a few others that play in those attacking positions that maybe haven't haven't like 
been in and around the team. So what we have to hope is not only Wolves pick up, but some of those players are banging for. And Wolves haven't as well. They haven't got the Europa League this season. So if they can get a decent, like they've not, it's easy to say with what happened to us, but I don't think they'll become a bad side overnight. And although they've got a new manager, I think Wolves will be fine and probably do quite well. Hope so. Hope you're right. Just picking up on someone else that you mentioned there, obviously, whilst we're talking about Hull initially, the, the last three games has been a difference in our overall play. And so much of that, I think, has come through John Fleck. Having John Fleck back to somewhere near his best has been huge for us. Him driving through and breaking lines and, and creating opportunities for other people. He's up there with one of the best players in the division, I think. If you, if you can keep him playing like that all season, it can only be good for us. First time he's looked fit for 18 months. And, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, he's become one of our our best players. Like He was in and out of the side, particularly last season, where he was clearly rushed back. And yeah, fantastic. And I also think if you've got people moving in front of you, he always looked really, really good when he hadn't... When he, Flake's best periods of play for United when he when him when him Coots and Duffy first struck that movement, you've got somebody beside him in Coots who just constantly wanted the ball and Duffy buzzing around. And when we we were doing well in the Premier League, is when you had like that first year in the Premier League, McGoldrick was everywhere, dropping into space, left, right, and centre. So he's been playing with the likes of Endai and Gibbs White these last few weeks, and obviously a very informed Billy Sharp. He's going to have been he's going to have been loving it. It's that movement, like you say, I think that's key. That's given, yeah, Flex certainly fitter. Obviously, he had the COVID te- uh, positive test when he was with Scotland, and I think that can't have helped in pre season, never mind our lack of pre season. So, certainly, fitness has played a part, but the movement, I think, is huge because it's creating that space for him to push into. And, you know, for me, again, it, jumping back to Gibbs White, Gibbs White is coming to the team and just demanding the ball. He's all, he's all over the pitch and he's demanding the ball. We haven't had a player take responsibility for the last 18 months because they've all looked scared to take responsibility. And it's taking one player coming in to set set a mood of, I'll take responsibility here, and the others have found some freedom as a result of it. Um, and I think that's that's huge. And I think that plays a key part for me in, in, in lifting his game. Norwood, to an extent, lifting his game, um, you know, uh, obviously Norwood was really good against Preston. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, to lose he was better players. against Preston than he has been in a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. he was good I, don't think, I don't think Oran pulled up any trees yet. I mean, aside from the delivery from corners in, in open play, I don't think Oran was any better yesterday than Norwood's been playing, certainly. He's possibly yeah. a little bit more mobile than Norwood. I think that's the only yeah. thing he's, he's, he's possibly edged him on at the minute. He gets around the pitch better than Norwood does. I don't think he's someone to play deep, though. Or did we think to his debutant yesterday? Oh, the Gediora. Yeah. I mean, he shot himself going... in the foot getting booked within 10 seconds of coming on with a horrendous challenge. But it's to all me, about... I thought he slowed the game down. I thought he, he he slowed it down a little bit too much at times. I think he's somebody to maybe kill a game off. But I, like people are like, oh, I love the fact he got stuck in. It's like, all right, yeah. Because then if, it too much, if that's an important game and he does that and then he actually has to make a last-ditch challenge, I think he... He, just... he actually pulled out of one later on, on the edge of our box. He pulled out of a tackle because he knew if he timed it slightly wrong, it got booked. I think, like you said, slowing a game down and killing it off is fine if you are a side that can slow a game down and kill it off. And at the minute, I don't think we are. 
I think defensively we're not. I think the worst thing we can do is actually try and kill a game off and invite pressure on and, and back the defence to, you know, to, to hold out. I think at the minute our best our best form of defence is attack at the minute because we see we're certainly more potent going forward in the last three games than we are uh, kind of resolute at the back. Still, I, I, I tweeted so, similar that I thought when he came on we slowed down with our pace of movement and play just completely slowed. And we sent, we lost our shape of it. As a result, and I think we just we just kind of sat deeper, and we didn't. We, people, we, there wasn't the movement around the players who were breaking with the ball either, so we just seemed a bit more deep rooted. Now, I got a tweet from Bob at Morgan underscore Path when I said that, and he's put a disagree. I thought Adeline was superb and took the sting out of it. To me, he, took, he didn't take the sting out of it because we could have gone three two, three two in that period, and then I think we would have been really rattled. I don't think there was any sting in it. That, that's the th- that that's the strange thing. It's not like Hull were absolutely pouring it onto us, and you go right. Let's bring let's bring him on, show things up. There wasn't any sting in it. The only sting we took out of the game by bringing him on was our own. Yeah, yeah. and let's be honest, they they were awful. I mean, their fans obviously they've still got the issue with the alums. If you look down their squad, it's largely a squad of obviously reasonable, good League One players. Yeah, There's man. no one in there. You go down that list of players, and you think. Yeah, I'd have him in anywhere near our squad. You know, I mean, like it, it's interesting what they said on Sky yesterday. Uh, they talked about how uh, what we're noticing is the step up from League One to the Championship being massive. And I've, I've been lifelong professed when I'm doing well in the Premier League that I think that step up um, it, it, it's obviously there, but it's not as big as some people make out if you've got a decent side with a, a planned system and settled side anyway. But like people like Honeyman were taking the piss in League One last season, like they, that he was scoring, assisting, like fun. And he, all he wanted to do was yesterday was have a fight with Billy Sharp. I don't know why he stayed on the pitch. He was a proper angry little man when he came on yesterday, wasn't he? And the challenge that wound him up from Fleck was nothing as well. That's what set him off. That's why he went through whoever he got booked for going was that through. The, was that where they clashed knees? Yeah. No, 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 no. It was earlier no, than that. As soon as he came on, Fleck kind of, oh, kind of almost clipped him as he went past, but nothing major. And then he went through, I can't remember who it was, when he, he went through early doors when he came on. And, and you could see him screaming at ref, how's that fucking different to that? How's that fucking different? And he'd gone. His head had absolutely gone for about 10 minutes after that. I mean, how we didn't get a penalty in that second half, and obviously we scored from two corners, but all they wanted to do was rugby tacklers. It was bizarre. I've never well, seen defending that, like it that. Were like, it was like old Stoke defending that, <laughs> which suddenly Stoke realised that, you know, in Premier League, you can't get away with that anymore, where all they were interested in is wrestling the man, just having a, mm. a physical battle with your man, not even looking at the ball. And that's, you know, I know they were, I know they were complaining about Sharp uh, blocking their man off for Egan's first goal, their man focuses on the ball rather than Egan. You know, he might he gets head on it. It's, it's, you can the, talk. They can talk about sharp blocking off, but like you say, there was a tussle. There was two or three tussles before every corner, and that was obviously right down in front of us in, in the away end. And you were just watching the grappling going off, and it wasn't just Sharp and his man. It wasn't just Egan, his man. Every United mm. player who was in around that box was getting held, and you could see. Well, did it. you think? Obviously, the, the corner, the first corner we scored from. Um, See, lining up for the corner to come in and we'd only got two players in the box. I've never seen that from a corner before. Obviously, it yeah. worked because yeah. we scored from it, but it's just different. Have you seen what Sharp said today? I've yeah. read an interview where Sharp said, boss has done a lot of work with us on set pieces and he's told us, you know, we're not good enough at set pieces and, and we need to start scoring more goals from that. So, 
it's obviously something that they're putting the timing on the training pitch, isn't it? Well, we've said for Egan connects to headers at set pieces and has done since we signed him. The fact that was his third and fourth goal for United. Yeah. No, fifth, fifth. Yeah, he scored he scored early on against Norwich, didn't he? Well, he scored against Norwich Burnley. He scored Burnley against and Wolves. Wolves. Yeah. That'd be his Maybe fourth and fifth. In what many though, is it? How long's he been with us? Four seasons? Three, this is it? his fourth. Yeah. I think the thing for me, so he should he should be averaging four goals a season. Well, for somebody you you'd, you'd probably argue Egan's one of the premium centre halves at this level you could want to have, and heading is he's pretty good in the air. Not so much when it's over his head, but like pretty decent in the air defensively. And yeah, so. Um, one thing I want to bring up about yesterday, and I think Ian, you've already touched on it. Um, I, feel, I feel like some people's have been like overly critical of Brewster. Uh, I thought for the first 15, 20 minutes, he was he was as bright, if not brighter, than Gibbs White. He did fade a bit, and towards the end, I think there was one where he took a pot shot from about 30 yards where he just needed to play McBurney through. McBurney would have been one-on-one. He chose to shoot, and he sent a daisy cutter, but like... The guy didn't know he was playing until 10 to 3. So, well, right, he's, he's 20 past the f- 12. The first, first 15 minutes, he, he started quite sharp and he made a he made a decent run about five minutes in. And Gibbs White actually slipped him in and he, and he got a shot away and the kid blocked it and, and thought... But you're right, he did. He faded as the game went on. And He's was, desperate for a goal, isn't he? You can see that. He's trained so hard. Some of the yeah. shots were... I mean, that pop shot that he hit from about 30 yards out that... Went to Rose Ed and then Guardiola, Guardiola hit the same player, the same, same spot, fan yeah. a couple of minutes later. It was just bizarre when he didn't need to do it. But he, I think every United yeah. fan's the same with, with Brewster. We're willing him to score. We really, really want him to do well. But it's just, it's not happening for him, is it? It, it worries me that I, I'll, I'll be honest and I'll, I'll give a count of you. I think when he's having his pop shots and he got into a couple of good chances of his space to hit a ball and hit it straight down the keeper's throat both mm-hmm. times. And, and a you can say it's confidence, but equally, um, you know, I'd expect a striker of his quality, or suppose quality, to do better in those positions. And he's not, I guess and he's that, not doing it in, when, he, when he's had those chances in other games, he's not doing it either. But he's overthinking it because mm. he's like he's that desperate. So it, instead of being like in that natural, like striker mode of just smack it. Like Robbie Fowler, what's that Robbie Fowler thing saying? I don't really think about. He used to say, I don't really think about what I'm putting out. Just hit it really hard. And I think Brewster's very from the videos I'd seen. I've got no comment on his goal scoring for United, but like from the stuff I've seen, he looks like that sort of instinctive striker. And if that's been taken away, and he's in his overthinking it. Also, he was sort of was he playing as the ten? So yeah, he wasn't playing as a. Wasn't playing in the kind of centre forward role that I think he wants to play, was he? But yeah, and I think there's lots to be said about the whole game and the fact that people talk about it being like, oh, not we weren't in, we didn't get out of sec into second gear. It's not like we did that and scraped to one nil away from out. We still scored three. Another day, Sharp scores the penalty, and actually, if it's two nil at half time, the second half could be an absolute riot. You know, we it we, it was fairly controlled. I feel I feel like it was the 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 age old frailties with defending 
But I do think that'll improve because I think Ben Davis looks fantastic. I think he's really calm. And I do genuinely believe if Stevens goes in at left back, having a better defender than it next to him than he's had for a long time, we'll see a different version of Ender Stevens as well. So I think Norrington Davis is fine, but I think we need to develop him over a period of time. He can't play all 46 games for us and is expected to compete at the top end of the league. And that's not me having a go at a youngster. I just think we need a bit more quality in that position. And I think I'm unimpressed by Norrington Davis so far. And I, I... I don't mind calling players out whether they're ours or not, but I think, Dan, you made a point the other day that if, if we'd assigned Norrington Davis for a couple of million from Stoke or Luton, wherever he's been on loan, I think we'd be calling him out as being a bit of a disappointing signing so far. The fact he's come through the, the, the youth setup is perhaps why he's not getting that kind of stick yet. I just I, I think from what I've seen of him so far, he looks like a very, very average plodding left-back. Not particularly quick, not great positionally. Uh, the Preston game, he was causing us unt- he was causing us untold problems by basically standing at the side of Jack Robinson and holding his hand for 90 minutes. And they, they had just acres to drop that ball into our right-hand side. He just, he, he wasn't holding his position right. Um, not great going forward. Yeah, I think he looks, looks very, very, very average to me. He seems, he seems to want to tussle with an opponent rather than just deal with an opponent on the in footballing terms or tackle so it's like yesterday he was just he's just grabbing older Wilkes and trying to you know and have a physical battle with Malik Wilkes and Malik Wilkes for me is a is a limited footballer but he's the two things he's got is strength and a decent break of pace now whether yeah. it's Norrington Davis scared of that pace and then tussling a bit like with Johnson the other night you know try and get physically close to him because actually you know to stop him getting away with his pace maybe that's maybe that's the reason but it frustrates me that he just wants to seem to want to get in a physical tussle rather than actually defend. I think Slav said that Stevens is back training now. Hmm. I mean, he but may... I, don't know, I don't know how far away that puts him from, from actually being able to play, but I just feel like you get the more experienced player in that position with a better centre half, and you'd you would see you'll you'll see a different version of him. And I genuinely believe that knowing to Davis. And dare I say, maybe some of the younger fans on our fan base who spend a lot of time on social media or whatever seem to think that we were getting this amazing youngster and stuff. Now, if he was any good, he wouldn't have gone out on loan. Like, if he was a premium quality player, we wouldn't have had to make him go out and play a full season on loan, would we? Because we were struggling down that side and have been since O'Connell's been injured. Now, yeah, I think... I mean, I I stood with you, Phil, for the second half at Peterborough game, and I said I thought this, some of his decision making in that game, where it was like we were cruising, was a bit bit crazy. But we've got to give the lad a chance. But I just feel we need Ender back there. And what what's going to be interesting is, obviously, we've got Southampton in the week, and and then we're back to the league program. But how the side settles down, like we've hopefully at date. Davis went off. Is Davis injured? Do we know, or was that just a precaution? I mean, they said didn't they that they thought he was uh, he, he got a whack or something was was you know um, something was troubling. Him. I don't know. I don't know whether that's a long term thing or it's just a, a carry on from from what had kind of kept him out of the side for a couple of games. So he was down a couple. He was down a couple of times before he eventually was subbed. Sort of just went down and just looked in, in a bit of discomfort. Now, he did one at first, whether it was just the game, you know, 
first game back after catching up with him a bit, but I didn't didn't see him get the knock. But he certainly he looked troubled. But you wouldn't see. I wouldn't play him on Tuesday on uh, yeah, Southampton. Yeah, I don't think he would have played Tuesday. Anyway. I would imagine whisper it quietly, but Robinson will probably come back in on Tuesday. I'd play Lapata on Tuesday. I'd play yeah, play actually, yeah, game time yeah. and yeah. give him give him a chance because we've got nothing to lose on Tuesday. At, well, obviously the game to lose, but we've got nothing to yeah. lose in terms of no one's expecting us progressing the cup. So why not put Laparta in, give him a game, give him ninety minutes in it against decent opposition, and and you know just give one or two others some game time as well, and and therefore we, we've got better try and develop some better options from the youngsters to have around the squad because yeah. we might need them later in the season. I agree, hundred percent. You know you could play Laparta, you could even go to a back three with Bash in there with them in in Gordon maybe. I I don't know. You know, Bogle needs a game. Uh, yeah. Like you've got to get, you've got to give, you've got to give Bogle ninety minutes in the cup and stuff. But interesting how the side settles down. But I think there is still questions on the left hand side of the defence until Davis can play there. And there's no bigger um, illustration of that than what happened at the end of the Preston game. The decision making from Hurahan and then Sharp. And then whatever that was from Jack Robinson was was just unforgivable because we should be sat here. We would have been comfortably, I think, two, three points outside the playoffs if we got those extra two points in a much better position and having, you know, put together a bit of a, a springboard to, to almost make us forget about the start of the season. But Jack Robinson, that header, Dan, I mean, I'd love to have been in earshot of you. Or maybe not, actually. It's not even... The thing is, I mean, I, I tweeted out... Obviously, it was the other end of the ground to me. It looked like a bad header. I, mean, I saw the, the, the goal on the on the morning after. It's a bread and butter header. It doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're six foot four or five foot six. It's, 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 almost, it's pretty much a free header. And he just completely misjudges the flight of the ball. And he'd done that earlier in the game as well. There was one that came up, came right over... And he got caught under it and kind of missed it, end up heading it up in the air. I just he's he's, a, he's just a poor defender who makes poor decisions, and he's not even someone I'd like to see play. You know, another ten games this season. You know, unless it's cup games, then fine, stick him in for cup games, fine. But just he's he's a he's a poor footballer. He's a poor defender. I'd sign him. Yeah. Well, how much did we actually pay for him when we signed? A million, him? I think. Was it a million? Right, okay. Oh, still, you know, three quarters of a million too much. Yeah, it's still money, and you know, you would imagine if if Max Lowe was on thirty grand, dropping to fifteen when we got relegated, then he's possibly on something similar. He's possibly earning fifteen grand a week, which, all right, in the grand scheme of football, is not much, but it's still what, another three quarters of a million quid. Give or take a year. Frightening, really. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like when you think about players, and this is what happens, unfortunately. We're all, I dare say, we're all right that we're not stacked with too many of them um, sort of players, but we've got enough knocking around who are on, on far too much money. But like the Preston game, we should have been out of sight. Hurrahan taking it into the cut. We were working them around the box. They couldn't get the ball off us. We had them penned in. Like there were opportunities to put people through for goal scoring opportunity. Instead, we're in the corner, give a stupid free kick away, and then Sharp does that on the halfway line. 
And it was, and like, that's the thing, like Sharp has been brilliant for the last couple of games, three, three, three games, four games, whatever, been, been his best player arguably in a lot of ways, but just stuff like that. And I think it's sort of, it seems at the minute that we're not, when did we last concede a goal where a team took us apart and we within, where we didn't sort of press the self-destruct a little bit? Because, I mean, you'd argue West Brom, because obviously they're just so much better than us, but like we seem to really just like press that sort of self-destructing game sometimes. We've conceded a lot of very soft goals, haven't we, this season so far? There's at least two at West Brom. Yeah. At least two of the four at West Brom were soft. Both both Peterborough goals we gave away. Both Preston goals. Both Preston goals. And I'd argue, because I think their goal comes from a misheader from Davis, doesn't it, yesterday? The whole goal. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Davis headed it up in the air and over Fleck's head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Smith, Smith wasn't offside either. Oh, I think he probably just about was. He was leaning, wasn't he? I think he... If you were to get the lines out, I think he probably would have just been. But even so, it's harsh. It's tight. I'd say it? he was. I'd say he was more. Um, I th- I'd say he was more on than Ronaldo was today with VAR. Like, but anyway. But even then, that's a mistake by Egan. Oh, hundred percent. Egan's had a mare there, and he should know yeah. him. He, he's played. He's played against him. How many times has Egan played against Tyler Smith in training? When they've done played against, against Tyler him. Smith, he just again, he just. Takes his eye off the ball. He just takes it, even if even if he knows exactly what Smith's going to do or doesn't know what Smith's going to do. That is a, again a, a bread and butter clearance, and he just takes his eye off the ball or loses concentration for a second, lets it run through his body. In it, funny this section, we've been quite negative in fairness, haven't we? And we're sat here having just won two out of his last three games. Could easily have been three out of three. I think United have tweeted tonight that they were now unbeaten in five. And we're still picking the bones out of stuff and being critical, and rightly so as well. In fairness, I think it's probably based. I think it's probably expectation. You know, if you look at like you know, we've had two years in the Premier League. We've got a lot of expensive, highly paid players, and we're mid-table in the Championship at the minute. Like 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 Ian said earlier on, we've played two promoted sides who are going to be probably struggling this season, and a, a steady Eddie um, Championship side in Preston. So we're not, you know, obviously we said at the beginning of the season, This, you know, we thought we all thought we were going to go straight back up. And, and it's, uh, I think it's that. I think it's it's more to do with level of expectation rather than how we're actually but playing. I think yesterday's results show, though. I mean, we, we talked last time about Fulham and West Brom looking like they're, they're over the hill and well gone. Fulham got beat yesterday by a team you wouldn't expect to be beating them. And West Brom managed to rescue a game again through a, through a long throw. So I think it just shows that it's a cliche, but anyone can beat anyone in this division. So I think we can't take any game too lightly. And Preston, I think, will cause a lot of teams problems this year. The way that they play just shows our physicality in this this division plays a massive part, doesn't it? They, 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 like you said, they're a good, they're a steady side. They're, they've got some good, they've got one or two good players. They've got some big lads. That the, the lad that was playing on the uh, on the left, you know, he looks about six foot four, six foot five. That were up against Baldock. Every time, um, Daniel Johnson's a good player. He's a player that we should have signed two or three times over, over years. He's a really, really good footballer. Do you think he's just one of those that always plays well against us? Seems to like for Preston, for Chesterfield. Who else? For Oldham. Oldham. He's played against us for Oldham as well, hasn't he? 
Yeah. Like ever since our first season in League One, he's been causing us an headache. He's always yeah. looked like a good footballer whenever he's played against us. And yeah, just what's good. He's a central midfielder who's just got something a bit extra about him as well, which is quite a unique quality. I'm trying to think of a, a more elite example. But, you know, he's got a trick. He'll drop the shoulder a bit more than a, a classic centre midfielder. Um, yeah, and he's, he's ran the game against us many times. But and we could put a, that might be a nice section, actually. We might have to plan it a bit, but we should do the they always have a good game against us, 1-11. to 11. Might be a good good section on a pod at some time, and Johnson would definitely be in that midfield. But we, like you say, Phil, we've been negative, but we've got nine. Uh, we should have had nine. We've got seven points, and we've got some. We've got some good players. Some of them that we've had for a while, but some like Morgan Gibbs White's an excellent player, and the more he plays with people like Brewster and and Die, and we've seen with Fleck, I think we might be onto something. Burgers, even I mean that that Burgers cameo against Preston, he's, he's probably started a little bit slowly, but again two or three times just did that thing where he gets the ball, slows his man down, and cruises past him. Um, you know the game might have been different if he'd have played yesterday. Just obviously this this knock he picked up yesterday is just a, a little tweak or something, and not a you know not not the occurrence of, of his, of his, yeah, in, of his on injury. The of, on the subject of Burger. Um, at half time yesterday, I had an interesting conversation with um, slightly worse for wear friend of the pod, Alan Picard, who who was adamant, and he got the conspiracy theory going that Burgers just uh, pulling the wool over our eyes, line up, and so felt he was growing or felt his you know a ligament injury and just called it after the warm up. Now. Was he wearing I'm a like, tinfoil hat while you, when you had this conversation? Yeah, it, it, it got it got a card. He was a member of the Lawrence Fox fan club as well. Um, but no, it was it was just. Paul Blade in a pub do not represent the views of Lawrence Fox. Can I go on record and make that very clear right now? We want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of the players we've got. If anyone was going to do something like that, pull a stunt like that, Burger would be the last person I'd expect to see. Which, which is what I thought, and and it was just it was just interesting because he said he was adamant. Oh, Burger Burger doesn't want to be here, and I'm like, why? Nothing, nothing I'd seen midweek on his cameo suggested he didn't. His you know, celebration of, from his goal against Preston didn't have the look of someone who didn't want to be. You know, if yeah. he scored that and just kind of walked back to halfway line, but he, you know, he, you know, the slide on his knees and the salute and the that. that could be completely wrong, but that just didn't smack of someone who doesn't want to be here. I think possibly if he got the chance to move to Liverpool or Napoli or Arsenal or Sampdoria, whoever the teams were that were linked with him in the summer, he possibly would, because I don't think he signed up for championship football. No. But he doesn't strike you as someone who's agitating for a move. No. 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 I mean, yeah. he's very... I mean, God love Al, but I'd, I'd say probably about, about eight pints by the time you spoke to me. And so, like, he's... I mean, yeah, like tinfoil hat on, trying to find like he's been speaking. So, yeah, but anyway, yeah. Just, on, on a slightly unrelated note, I've just seen there's a, there's a couple of Spanish transfer accounts tweeting this evening that uh, the lad we tried to sign from Barcelona, Calado, the deal that fell through at the last minute, yeah. because Barcelona haven't been able to release him. 
Andy was out of contract at the end of this season or, or they're basically looking at terminating his contract because obviously they need to, to save some wages. Now, I don't know whether that would enable us to sign him outside the transfer window because technically he's a free agent. Or yeah, if he's a free agent, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah but there's, there's, there's rules in there about not being able to just, because otherwise clubs could just do a little backdoor deal and release someone from the contract and, and let someone else pick him up. So mm. I'm not sure if that actually... I could be wrong, but I'm not sure if that's... Uh... The only one Spanish football account I follow on Twitter. Or two, should I say. Just interesting that if they have, and we... Guillaume Balagay. Yeah, Guillaume Balagay, Ronaldo's best friend. And, uh, yeah, Colin Miller. Um, yeah. And that would well, solve some short-term problems if that was a possibility, if we could sign him as a, as a free agent. That's the thing, isn't it, with... With the way Gibbs White's come in and how more dynamic we've been, if we could have got some, like, I was going to say whiz kid then, but like, you know, some like flair wonder kid from Spain and then this other lad from Parma could have uh, all those three buzzing around behind Billy Sharp, of all people, out of all the strikers we've got. It's just quite, quite funny, but it would have been really interesting. Might, you never know, Dan. I mean, strange things have happened, haven't they? Like I say, it might it might be complete bullshit. It's just I've seen a couple of Spanish Twitter accounts tweeting it tonight. Interesting. Well, yeah, well, I think we should probably take a little little break, chaps. I've just been watching Phil drink a really refreshing looking tall glass of iced water or lemonade or something, and I've got thirsty throughout there. So yeah, it's it's not exactly where we need it to be, but it's certainly a lot better than it was. And uh, after a bit of a look back over the last week and a bit, we thought we'd take a look forward. We've got Southampton coming up midweek. Uh, John just produced a dicky bow, I think, on camera, which was a bit odd. I don't know what, where he's putting it at the minute, but it's off camera. Um, Luckily, it's not a Frank Butcher spinning round dicky bow and he's not sat there in Niff. In this, in this, I've not heard that phrase for you. Not a fit over my head, Christ. No, I'm just, um, I'm just at my better half's desk, and there's some, there's all sorts here. I'm fascinated. Anyway, go on. Lots of dress up, clearly. Um, anyway, so, so we said we'd look forward, um, and uh, we'll look forward to Southampton, which would be, I think, an interesting challenge, and interesting to see what team they put out midweek uh, in the League Cup, and probably interesting to see what team we put out before we have a um, home game on Saturday against Derby and a Derby team that picked up a good result yesterday as well uh, in the circumstances, perhaps surprisingly. So um, a couple of interesting games to look forward to. Phil, do you want to, do you want to kick us off? Are you, are you going to, Are you going midweek to the Southampton game? Yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm going with the full expectation of uh, Chris Basham pulling out his, uh, his Basham bow pirouette like he did against Southampton last time in the Cup <laughs> a few years ago. Um I think it'd be an interesting game. Uh, obviously, clearly, Slab's changed the team for the Cup game so far and played a lot of the youngsters. Um, whether he'll do that again now, now we're starting to build ahead of steam up a little bit with the, the first team. You might want to sort of see see that through and keep that going a little bit longer. So it'd be quite interesting to see what sort of team he plays. But um, I don't know. Do, do we want to? Do we want to continue in this competition? Do we want to? 
do we want to go on a cup run or do we want to just concentrate on the league is the cliche what do we think I think like Ian said earlier on I think we possibly get more benefit out of blooding youngsters against better opposition than we do playing a full strength side and, and having ambitions of a cup run yeah I think you know people like Brun Laparta Gordon We'll probably get more benefit out of this playing playing this than if we if we went with you know with Egan Davis um, that sort of thing. So I think yeah I think you know a bit of a mix and match like you said. Brunt um, Bogle needs ninety minutes. You would imagine one of well obviously not both Fodringham and Verips will will come in for for Olsen. Um, Interesting to see whether he starts in day because there clearly seems to be some sort of fitness issue there with him going off with cramp so twice in two games. So whether he'll try and get 90 minutes out of him or whether he thinks the right thing to do is rest him or not. I'm guessing it's what the, the strength and conditioning coaches will say, whether 90 minutes would do him more good than seven days seven days rest. Rest, training. Um, just don't want an over, you just don't want an overzealous Southampton centre-half going through him and snapping him in half for a few months. That's the only thing I, I think with, with somebody who's... I'm a big believer, you know, if someone's struggling for fitness, that maybe these games aren't always the, the right way for him. And if and if we have to just be patient with him for a month to get him up to speed and he has to sit out, we have three games in the week and he has to sit one out, that's the way it is. Um, he's basically played no football since March, has he? He hasn't even played for the under 23s. No. And then, and then he's bound come to, in. He's and... bound to be catching up on him. So maybe, like you said, maybe minutes under his belt will do him good. Even if he said, give him 45 minutes or something. 45, 50 minutes, that might do him, that might do him good, just, just get some more miles in his legs. I mean, I think we might see, I'm just jotting down a potential sort of side here that we might see. I think there's every chance Olsen stays in the net and just because he, just to get his eye in. I mean, he didn't have anything to do yesterday, but it might actually do him good having some shots to save. Uh, obviously, he did something a bit dodgy, but I, I agree on the part of Gordon I wouldn't be surprised if in midfield, Gerdiol, I can't say it, Gerdiol, how do we say it? Gerdiora. Gerdiora and Brun with another, whether that's Norwood or maybe even Basham, if he if he sticks with four across the back, because Bogle will play. You'd probably imagine Burke might get a game with Bernie. I, I saw a great tweet today that says, has anyone checked Slav's back garden? Has he had a new patio delivered because no one's seen Burke and McGoldrick? <laughs> They've disappeared without trace. Well, McGoldrick's injured, isn't he? I think. I think well, he was. Back training again, isn't he? Yeah. The interesting. Yeah, Burke. Yeah, I mean, we wanted shot, didn't we? Clearly. It's a, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'd be quite happy if I never, ever saw Burke and Robinson in, in a shuffle. I'd be quite happy if those two never, ever pulled the blade shirt on again. Cup run or. Weakened side. Not or play nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you do, like like you do when you play Sunday league, and you go, "No, he's here. He's stuck in traffic. We'll start with ten and wait <laughs> for him to get here." Well, one positive from the weekend is Callum Robinson didn't score. I mean, he scored every other fucking weekend since since the season started and made us look. Well, he didn't start, did he? Oh right, did be. No, it's because Ireland played mid. Well, no, they wouldn't have played. Got anyway. Luke Freeman to factor in as well, haven't you? There's yeah. any chance Freeman oh, might yeah. start. Old Freezy. Well, maybe. By the way, I know we've we've gone. We've talked about what's happened in the last week already. I thought Freeman was atrocious against Preston. Didn't um, 
didn't do himself any favours. He, he, he's come on in a couple of games this season, had a couple of, you know, 10, 15, 20-minute cameos, and you thought he's done enough for a start, and then he gets a start, and just everything he did slowed us down. He turned back every time, didn't he? Yeah. He's one of those players who has to be the best player in the team to look good. I know that like when he was at QPR, he dragged that team, that Stevenish side, he was just levels above everyone. Does he have to be that guy? Because he can't and he can't play it. Because he, he it's no coincidence that he's not been able to play his way into our side when we're gagging for creativity. And at Forest, we talked about him. I don't know if we did it on air or off air, actually, but we're saying, Dan, you described Forrest as a basket case and he couldn't get anywhere near team last season. Maybe, mm. I don't know. But, yeah, well, maybe Freeman. Freeman and Burke off McBurney, Brunt. Depends if he's going to persevere with Hurahan at the base of midfield. If he is, maybe Norwood plays. He's I'd like to see Brunt play further forward, if Brunt's playing, because he's played as like a deep line midfielder so far in the, in the cup games. And he's not... That's not his position. He's a 10. Mm. It'd be quite interesting to see him be a bit further forward, be a bit more advanced. Well, yeah. I mean, Freeman's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like you say, he plays an hour midweek, gets hooked for Berger, and then he's not even on the bench yesterday. So you've got to assume he's going to be playing. But is it just... Is that a waste? And would be better off playing, you know, giving youngster minutes. It's a fine line between giving him minutes and a youngster minutes in that kind of game. What I would say we're probably not used to as well. We haven't had under Wilder. People have talked. People talked about Wilder's ruthlessness. Now I would disagree with that. A because he probably didn't have the squad to it. But what we may be seeing with Ikanovic is when people have a chance and they do something wrong, they are out the side. Not I know Wilder. You know, like the dressing down he gave Henderson after that mistake against Liverpool and stuff like that. But in terms of have we played a consistent 11 United all season? No. no. Uh, and we're not used to that. We're used to, for years now, pretty much. Team, I mean, the team pretty much that. picked itself for kind of four years, didn't it, at least? Whereas now, like, I didn't expect Freeman to be in the side against Preston. And then it's just it does seem wild that somebody who starts one game is then not in the squad. It's, it's all... Robinson bit, wasn't either, was he? And no. yeah, and that's that's um, and that's another prime example. Like maybe it's just a different level of ruthlessness, and dare I say, a more continental style of of genuinely using the squad and 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 setting it up, picking each team on merit for the game based on how he how he thinks. And I don't know, we're still learning a lot about Yukanovich. I think I just think it's it's. it's... Comparing the two, and I know we've just done it, and I know we've spent ages comparing Wilder and Yukanovic, but it's almost a pointless exercise because they're not. There's, there's no there's no similarities between them at all. They're, they're a completely different personality. They've both obviously got different outlooks on how the game should be played. It's comparing apples and oranges, and, and I know obviously we're comparing Wilder because he's been here for five years, so we're, it, we're automatically comparing him to Yukanovic. You know, I've seen things on Twitter about people have, have got the hump a bit because he didn't come away and didn't come over and acknowledge the away fan yesterday. But that's there's, there's a lot of managers that don't do that because they've not got that emotional connection. They're just you know he's a professional doing a job and if we get promoted he might, you know, I'm sure it'll be different. But he's not going to come over and thump the badge after every single game because the badge doesn't actually mean anything to him at the minute. You know, he's been with us five minutes. He's not got an emotional connection. So Trying to compare the two, 
personality wise, the vision, you know, the, how they want the game to be played, how they treat the players. It's it's almost it's almost a, a pointless exercise. Maybe you know, the We'll probably spend the next 20 minutes doing it, but... <laughs> but the, the other thing with that, though, Danny, is he clearly wasn't happy with the result or elements of the performance. So he's straight yeah. down in the tunnel, getting into the dressing room, preparing to address that. And he clearly did address that with them, given what he said in his interview afterwards. I mean, so, realistically, the, the, only, the only reason that people, that, that managers come out and, and make a big show of clapping the away fans is if, like I said, they have a genuine connection with that club and those fans, like Wilder did. Or a lot of it after that is just ego. You know, Warnock used to do it. You know, we'd win and Warnock would be the one, he'd be the last one off the pitch. And yeah, we kind of liked it, but a lot of that was about him. Yeah, Mourinho does it and that's about him. Klopp does it, possibly because he's got a connection with the club now, but it's also, again, he's a big personality. You never saw Sir Alex Ferguson going up and, and kind of, you know, shaking his fist at Stretford them when they won and Wenger never did it. and. Just it's like I say, it's either the, the, the manager's got a, a, an emotional attachment to the club, or they're trying to make it about them. I'd, if he's not going to do it for the right reasons, I'd rather him not do it. I'd agree with that. Yeah, and I've, your biggest criticism of a manager is he ain't been over to fans. He, he's doing something right, I guess. Um, as well, like I, I just think is in terms of team selection. With that cup game, it doesn't. It it all just has to safeguard getting three points against Derby next Saturday. Yeah, that's that's the important yeah. thing, isn't it? Whatever happens in Southampton, it's a bonus if we win the game. I think getting some more minutes in people's legs is an opportunity, but ultimately, it's more important to to be firing against Derby and 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 pick up another three points. I think. I, 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 I gen, it didn't surprise me at all Derby getting a positive result yesterday because I think you find that quite often when clubs are against a bit of adversity the, the players come out fighting and um, I was talking to my sister-in-law today she's a um, she's a Derby fan and she went yesterday and she said the atmosphere was brilliant the fans were really really behind the team from the first minute to the 90th minute there was a little bit of having a go at the chairman at the end of the game after the game had finished but there was no bitterness there was no um sort of bad, bad atmosphere that you could expect potentially in times like this. You said it was quite, completely the opposite. And I think it's, a, it's going to be a really tough game against a side of maybe a bit of a, a, a patchwork of, of old heads and, and pros that have been around for a long time. But the, Rooney's clearly got some talented players at his disposal. And if they can click in, again, in, in one game, I think they could be dangerous. So I don't oh. think we can take it for granted at all. I thought Rooney spoke really well yesterday as well. Yeah, like, I did. Uh, like a lot of people say say a lot about Rooney. Um, like a, a perception we all had of him maybe when he was a player, but he, he's, I think he spoke really well as as the manager of a club in that position. Like I spoke of like a very mature, sensible manager. Um, and also. You talk about the experience. We're going to have people like Jagielka and Steven coming to a lane who are going to want to going to want to play well, particularly Jagielka. First time he's been as an opposition player. Mm, I think it will it, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't yeah, yeah. Well played against us before, will it? Which is an interesting one. Um, 
But yeah, um, you, you look down that side, the, the, the side they put out yesterday, like you say, it's an interesting mix because you've got your Jagiel, Curtis Davis, <clears throat> Sam Baldock up front, who seems to have been around for an age. But then you've got players like Tom Lawrence, Sibley, Shinny, who always had a good reputation uh, up in Scotland, Nathan Burns, yeah, the players who always have good games against us, you know. Aberdeen, where Shinny used to score all the goals and stuff, and he'd play like yeah. back, centre, mid, and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Sibley's Laura... really highly rated, isn't he? He's supposed mm-hmm. to be a really good player. Yeah. Because uh, if you look beyond that, the bench is youngsters, a lot of youngsters. So I Morrison play. playing from is Morrison getting a game? Yeah, Morrison playing just behind uh, yeah. playing like three just behind Baldock, Lawrence, Sibley, and then Morrison in, in the middle of okay. that. Well Sibley's Sibley's talented, isn't he? Uh, there's some talent there though, isn't there? The yeah. players that you've just talked about there, there's some talent. And and you add people like Davis and Jagielka's experience to it. It, it, it makes for a in, really interesting game. I think yeah, it's not going to be a walkover, is it? Not at all. So what do we think? Should we, should we go on to predictions for midweek and then predictions for Saturday? Yeah, I think I think we'll lose in midweek, but I'd like to think some of the youngsters can do themselves a credit. And if I was being really wishful, Bernie and or Bruce to get a goal. I mean, Midweek, yeah. yeah. Mid midweek, I think we'll play. A, we will play a weakened side, and I think Southampton will have too much for us. Um, I don't think it'll be a, a walkover by any stretch, but I think they'll probably be quite comfortable. Uh, I think we'll play a weakened side, but I think Southampton will also play a weakened side, um, and it might go all the way to penalties. Penalties one after one. ninety, isn't it? Penalties after ninety. Yeah. One-one penalties. I can see that with two disrupted sides. You know, Carlisle did similar in the first round. Yeah. Mixed it's one, of, one of them games that never gets going, never gets yeah. flowing. And, and, and we, we edged it in that round, you know, edged it against Derby. I, I can see it, like you say, probably a goal in it or it goes to penalties. They had a good result yesterday, Southampton, didn't they? Yeah, 0-0 no, no, at City. And again, like I said, it... It depends how many changes they make. I mean, they lost um, Dale Stevens, didn't they, yesterday? So, again, they had to make an early change in, in the middle of defence. So, again, there's a... Was it Salisa? I can't remember his name now, who came on. He'll probably end up having to play 90 midweek, you'd have thought. Try and get him some game time. But you, it's interesting to see how many changes they do make and the options they've got. You know, what about, like what about Saturday, the What do we think for Saturday? I think United will win on Saturday, three, two or three, one. Can't see us keeping a clean sheet. Ever. Again. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably go 2-1. I'd go 2-1 to United Saturday. I think yeah, we have too I, much I, of them. I think we, we nick it, you know, we nick it by one goal. Are we allowed right back in the pub, boys? I don't uh, know yet, actually. I'm I think sure she's re- reopening beginning of Octo- uh, early October, I think. So it might be, might be too soon. But the brothers was welcoming enough last week. And back open from earlier in the day after they they reverted back from their two o'clock opening, which seemed bizarre. No goal for you, isn't it? Uh, I'm I'm similar to you boys. I think we'll win by the odd goal, but I'm fairly convinced they'll score at least one as well. So it's two, one, three, two, something like that. Is that the first time we've all been in accord on one of these? Maybe, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is worrying in itself. Yeah, but we we we've got too much for them. We've got to have. You don't, so. 
I'll be back soon with a very short and sweet Hall of Fame. Knee trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being clean. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. But fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader page. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter, at Glistening Kicks, and Instagram, at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them round, yourself that process could be even quicker um they look feel and smell like new and it's i'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and i'm already looking at what pairs i'm going to take down um next to have him look out for us nice one cheers for that i'm going to get on to them straight away what was their insta again at glistening underscore kicks that's the one really good service and i couldn't recommend it enough to any blades brilliant nice one all the blades Welcome back to part three, everyone. Uh, we're going to do a, a Hall of Fame section. Uh, before we do, just a quick recap on the last one. Um, and Obviously, I'm introducing this section because, as is tradition, uh, the person that wins the Hall of Fame introduces in the following episode. So I won with my nomination of the Chris Wilder years. Um, quite right, Route too. One. Um, yeah, a bit Route 1, to be fair. Uh, unlike Ian's penalty against Keith Woff, which was... Tiki Taka, whatever the opposite of Route One is, the Tiki Taka nomination. Uh, that's that sounds about right for that. So, um, John, I'm going to come to you first. You seem to be all uh, excited about this. So, on dazzle us, be sensational. Um, I will try to be. So, uh, my my nomination is it's 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 quite an unusual one. Uh, I'm not going to do something as obvious like yours from the last one, Dan, and like nominate Sheffield United FC or something like that. Oh, I'm shit, gonna... <laughs> that was my nomination this week. I'm going to nominate, very simply, um, for which we, we may be part of, and it's basically all uh, the social media darlings which contribute to um, fantastic content. Uh, there's a bit of stuff for everybody out there. Some of it, isn't to my taste, some of it is to my taste. Some of the accounts on social media do tweet nonsense things. Some of them don't tweet anything of any value. Some of them regurgitate what the club has tweeted minutes before. And some of them post, quite frankly, far too much for our liking. But it's a bit of a shout out to everyone who, like us, spends a bit of time trying to do something, um, talking about the thing that they're most passionate about, they love in Sheffield United. And um, recently, maybe towards the end of the transfer window, it always seems to be the way things got a bit nasty about that. Uh, and a, a bit, I think you described it, Ian, at the time, unnecessary. And I feel that, yeah, you don't have to like everyone who produces some content to do with United and everything they say. But you just, if you don't like it, you just don't engage with it and don't listen to it or don't watch it or don't like it, don't retweet it, don't need, doesn't need to turn nasty. And I think I've done this, said this before about when people were being particularly mean about Travelling Blade at one point, calling him every name under the sun, like, 
it's not again, it's not to my taste, but but let the lad crack on and do what he wants. So I'm nominating the social media darlings. That's good good start, Jim. Yeah, good start. I would say I would say it's that thing, isn't it? Like you say, we're all doing it for different reasons. We all do it. We did it because we just took nonsense down the pub and thought, actually, why not record it and see if anyone else thinks it's funny as we do or, you know, interesting as we do. You know, other people will do it for other reasons. The key thing is there's something for everyone out there. We're not to every, you know, I'm sure we're not to everyone's taste, but, you know. Oh, so no, we're not. Oh, <laughs> well, no, we're not, yeah. <laughs> we're an acquired taste. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've you've got, I love it, you've got the consistency of Blades Pod, Right through to the like ridiculousness of some of the stuff Tufty Club talk about. The fact that if you want, you know, all sorts of videos and stuff on anything to do with United, various channels put it out constantly. Oh, big shout out to my mate Lee, who does stuff for the Chef United News and is always really complimentary where he got his sources from. Is people doing all sorts of stuff out there, and you can, you know. If you if you want to engage with it, you can. But you know, us social media darlings, we might all we're all doing it really for the same reason. That's because we love Sheffield United. So just be nice to us and be nice to each other, because that's the way we all should be, really, a bit more of the time. Who used to end his programmes with "Be nice to each other"? Is it? It's probably going to be someone horrendous, isn't it? Who is it? Maybe someone off daytime TV who presents some horrendous thing where they all shout at each other for an hour and he goes, "Be nice to each other." At the end of it, I can't remember. Sure, not Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> we'll find out what it is. I've just, um, I've just googled "be nice to each other" and it's just a lot of like emotional stuff that you'd have. Uh, not emotional, a lot of cheesy stuff that'd be on a PowerPoint at a training course. So I have to dive deeper to find that out, Ian. But um, yeah, <laughs> the social media darlings of okay. which we are one of. So there you are. Okay, that's a good start. Um, Phil, are you all right to go second? Yeah, I've got one. I've got one. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm looking back a little bit. When was the last time you remember who United's physio is? I think we all know that. I no, don't French. anymore, do you? I know. <laughs> I, I remember the one under Warnock. Was it Dennis Pettit? Because I. I always thought he was like quite. Um, he used to have a very funny run onto the pitch. And I think it's a physiotherapist thing. They all tend to have really short legs. <laughs> he wasn't. I don't think Dennis Petit was as small as I thought he would be. <laughs> <laughs> was that an example of nominative determinism? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. But yeah, Dan, you, you nailed it where I'm coming from. Derek French has become a, a bit of a United legend in his own, in his own sort of right by being a physio and a, and a character at it as well. And, and we've all met him, I think, at different times. And he, he's exactly the same face-to-face, just in a normal conversation as, as you'd expect him to be. And, and he's from that era of the Bassett boys. And, and you can imagine a lot, of, a lot of the characters and a lot of the, um, a lot of the way that the, 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 the players were at about that time stemmed through a lot of the way that he was. So I'm, I'm going to go with Derek French as a, as a nomination because he was a character from a, from an era that I loved being a United fan. Good shout. Yeah, French is a, an absolute legend and he, he's kind of part of that. Again, that, that kind of era where 
you had the, the larger than life manager, but you also we all knew the coaching staff, so everyone knew, you know, everyone knew Jeff. Like now, I know he's only been here five minutes, but I couldn't tell you Mikanovic's assistant managers. I couldn't I couldn't pick him out in a lineup, whereas everyone knew Jeff Taylor, everyone knew Derek French, you know, it was again, it was they were part of the the kind of fabric of the club, weren't they? Yeah, and and to touch loop back a little bit onto John's um social media darlings thing. I like I like some of the stuff he comes out with on social media as well. I mean, it can be a bit irreverent at times with some of his comments, but <laughs> when he talks about experiences of the players and, and what what would be going on behind the scenes at the club yeah. sometimes, it's interesting to have that bit of insight, isn't it? Yeah, I think that insight is really interesting. The way he just throws little nuggets and observations out when perhaps, like you say, there's a lot of noise on social media about something. He offers a different view, a view from someone who's been there on the inside of it. And, you know, perhaps should also be read and listened and appreciated to a bit more for that. Yeah, absolutely. Great shout out, Phil. Really good uh, shout out. In Bladders, and when we spoke to Badger, uh, Badgers, Bladders and Jamie Oyland, they spoke very fondly of him, didn't they? Like, and it's weird because you wouldn't associate, um, you wouldn't associate physios with being almost as having as having that sort of like prominent role in the dressing room, but obviously, yeah. And the Paul, the Paul Beasley story about the greyhound and stuff we've all heard, and that was all Billy that. Whitehurst, big bad it? Billy. Anyway, yeah, Ian. All right, before before I start, I found it, and I'm I'm dating this pod as we normally do back ridiculous number of years it was Mr and Mrs was the catchphrase be nice to each other right so now, Mr and Mrs yeah. from like 1980 something yeah 1981 or something like that yeah so I, I've just alienated most of our listenership in one fell swoop but anyway oh before so that, just so we're clear that's not your nomination Mr and Mrs is not your nomination <laughs> Uh, it's not, no. I, I don't even know where I'd take that one, to be honest. <laughs> um, my nomination is something you don't see very often these days, but if you look back at some of the old photos of you know, like Blades in some of the in books and photo books, Blades, Tales and things like that, you'll see plenty of them about. Is those T-shirts. <laughs> Johnny's now sc- screen sharing a picture of Derek Beatty, the original host of Mr and Mrs. Live from Carlisle on board of television. Anyway, there we go. I've just alienated another proportion of our population by dated TV references. Um, oh, you got the Carlisle lot hooked, so there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, you saw the T-shirts that they used to buy from outside the ground. And so you used to have, like, the Blades on Tour ones with the kind of cartoon coach and stuff yep, yeah, that printed one. on the bike. I mean, when did, you know, that, they were probably mid-80s through to early 90s. Yep. You see loads of them around the lane. Those kind of T-shirts, the club always tried to replicate something similar in the shop, but it was never the same. Um, and I do believe friend of the pod, Gaffer of the Runner Blaze, Jack and Rose Quintana, he's probably got most of those T-shirts still in his wardrobe, to be fair. So um, they obviously, you know, to some people don't just hold sentimental value, they still hold wearability, even in the modern fashion conscious world. I mean, so, cost uh, per wear, that's through floor, that in it, surely. <laughs> It shows the quality of the garment that could be purchased on the corner of John, John, uh, Street and Cherry Street in 1991. Giacomo, fruit of the loom, Uh <laughs> I think he's, well, yeah. I'm sure when we went down to watch United at Bristol a few years ago, he'd got a shirt on that was 
from the eighties, like mid eighties. Absolutely, printed a T-shirt. First time I'd met him that, and he was eating some berries off a bush. I've mentioned this on the pod before. It blew my mind. So we're at the cricket club, Phil, weren't we? That That's right. Yeah. Cricket club. Where you got the nice view of the bridge in Bristol. Yeah. What a man and what fun. I mean, I had a version of one of them. Again, I think it's been mentioned, but it's worth bringing up. Is the um, I had a Peter Kachuro one that said Kit Kit Kat. The Menace from Minsk. <laughs> and it was like the Kit Kat logo. Uh, but yeah, like I'm a big fan of like crap t-shirts like that. Like when you used to go to music, when I first going to music festivals, I remember going to the Leeds Festival in like 2003 and my friend Book's coming back like this. And you got like a like it was a carling label, but it said crawling back later with a drunk man on the floor. And he's like, look how good this is. It was 20 quid. Like this, you've had a bargain there, kid, and sort of thing. <laughs> but yeah, the Mace from Minsk, Kit Kat. Yeah. They used to have the United Colours of Sheffield. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. I had that one. United yeah. Colours of Sheffield. Yeah, used to love those, the Benetton ripoff. But um, yeah, when the club tried it, I've probably mentioned this before, the club tried it with when around big events, didn't they? And they, they do something really naff. So there was a really badly pixelated picture of Michael Brown on a T-shirt before the Wolves playoff final with follow the Lord to Cardiff on it. And it was like, no, he's, he's not. I, sure I had a Dino one. I'm sure I had a, a, I bought a Dino one from Corner of Shoreham Street, which was him, Megan Woods in 2-0. I'm sure yeah. there was a T-shirt of that. I can't remember yeah. what the, what the whole uh, kind of theme around the T-shirt was, but that was the, the main bit. But yeah, the whole era of football T-shirts, you know, those kind of blaze on to, uh, to be either a cult player or something like you say from the Wednesday match, the United Colors of Sheffield. You know, we'll um, we'll get Squintani. He'll be listening to this. He'll send us some pictures. We'll tweet them out. Anyone else got still got those T-shirts in the cupboard? I'd be amazed. Yeah, any, any retro, retro T-shirts? Any blades? Any blades? Tat. I I'm obsessed with it. I think it's like the best thing. Like to like you just see. Like, like everything from if you see some Chef United rock when you're at the seaside, like it's just, it's just, I think it's fantastic. You've shared with us the picture of your Chef United trainers, John, haven't you? Oh, yeah. And I don't mean the cool Adidas ones that I make. I mean, like, really <laughs> shitty ones. <laughs> you trainers, got, Phil. Yeah. They, they're honestly, Phil, like, I reckon direct, indirectly, I was a big influence on your business, to be honest, as soon as you told me um, 100%, mate, 100%. That and Chief, like, executive. Sharp. I think you look sharp in them. Oh, well, yeah, I, I like the contrast with the yellow and purple kit. It's, uh, but <laughs> well, oh, very, very good nomination, Ian. I mean, we've all done it before, but, like, especially when you're at the match, you've had a couple of pints and you walk past someone selling badges, oh, get one of these. You just can't resist, can you? I can't, anyway. A fool and his money is soon parted, they say. That's a good one, mate. That's a really good shout, Ian. Um, So, my nomination, the final nomination, is it's very current, but it's also um, a recurring theme among United fans. So, we've all got that, mate. We might even be that person who you get a girlfriend fall in love and she's the best thing since sliced bread and then they get dumped and they get their heart broken and we have to pick them up off the floor and buy them copious amounts of beer to make them feel better and they say I'm never doing this again I'm not falling in love again I'm not, not getting my heart broken again and then five minutes later they've got a girlfriend and they're in love again and it's just wash, rinse, repeat 
Um, and unfortunately, I think we're all we're all in danger of doing that at the minute. Uh, falling in love with a lone player. It's, it's a Sheffield United trait. I'm guessing it's probably a trait for most clubs, but we seem to do it more more than most. And we just we absolutely fall head over heels with lone players. Unfortunately, a lot of times we end up getting our hearts broken because they don't stay with us or stay with us and they're not actually as good as we think they are when we sign them. Um, so I'm thinking, obviously, at the minute with, with Morgan Gibbs-White, we kind of did it with Dean Henderson, certainly did it with John Brayford. Before that, we did it with Glenn Hodges. Obviously, it turned out to be a, a United legend, but we've had one or two others over the years. We've been in on loan. And they've been outstanding, and then we've signed them. And we've knocked them off. Phil Starbuck. Phil Starbuck. I once got berated by Phil Starbuck's dad at I can't remember where it was away, and he'd done something shit as per smashed something into the stand, and I stood up and went, "Fuck's sake, Stardust!" <laughs> and he's what I later found out was his dad from two rows in front of me turned around and went, "His name is Starbuck." And sat back down. And I later found out that that was his dad. I thought that's where it, uh, Phil got his uh, Christianity from. So I was going to turn around and tell you off for your swearing. Because <laughs> yeah. didn't he have the Blades Christian Supporters Club he set up? Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not, I'm not knocking religion there. but No, but yeah. it, was a, it was a born again, I think, weren't it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, some of them have turned out to be great. I think, I think Cabba came in on loan initially. Cabin. Yeah, that was a ca- that was always with a view, though, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just um, you know, obviously the, the whole everyone's fallen in love with Gibbs White, and the chances of us signing him, and the chances of him still being here, well, even in January, are slim. So you know, we're, we're setting ourselves up for a fall again. But we'll do it again, you know, in the same way that you know, man's search for a, a life partner and love carries on. United fans search for for a, a, a loan player that we can love and, and keep as our own for, for a long time. Well, I'm, I'm sure it'll continue and Gibbs White will go and there'll be someone else come on loan this, later on this season or next season. We'll all fall in love with him and we'll just go through the same the same cycle again. So my, my nomination is United fans' propensity to, to fall in love easily, to give the heart away easily to loan players. And Very yeah, good. Absolutely. I mean, Henderson's one that, because we had him for two years, maybe felt a touch different. Well, obviously, I remember when we signed Brayford, I was like delighted, and then he just was not that great. <laughs> it just it went sour, didn't it? When we signed him properly, Ebanks Landell was another one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Ebanks Landell. I mean, I think with Brayford, I know we, I think Phil, you you made this point initially. Had Brayford come in and looked like he did when he first came through the ranks at Burton, which was a Kind of pasty ginger kid. I don't think we'd have would have would have fallen from as hard as we did. But the fact that he came in with the long hair and the beard and the tats and the just general aura of twanger of it, yeah, yeah, yeah I think around in a, in like an original minute. Yeah, I think we were. It, I seem to recall that he had a very 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 attractive uh, girlfriend as well. He, he did have a very attractive girlfriend, but we, I think at the time we'd gone we'd gone through that period of just. We'd become shit, but and 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 lost all our personality. We'd not had we'd not had a character at the club for years. We'd gone through a succession of crappy loan players, you know, like Nosworthy and 
Bjorn Helga Reeser and people like that, and just had people like Johnny Ertel playing for us. It was the most vanilla play you've ever seen at United. No one cared whether they were good or shit. And suddenly this character came in, like I said, tattoos, long hair, beard, swashbuckle, and we all just went, oh! we all just fell head over heels with him without actually scratching beneath the surface. Just remember, he's not just any right back. I've got a t-shirt somewhere. There we go, talking about, talking about, that was <laughs> talking a great, about bootleg United t-shirts. That was a secret Santa present. Someone got me that. I mean, they even had they had John Brayford masks in the club shop, didn't they? Yes, yeah, the final against Hull. I've yeah. got one of them, and I've got a Porter one as well. He talked about that on a another podcast on the Sheffield United Way recently. He was talking about the masks, and he's slightly embarrassed about all that. I think looking back, but it was just this cult, like you said, this cult grew up around him. That he probably wasn't that big a character as he appeared, but to us, given like you say the the limitations of some of the players we'd had, both in personality, ability, you know, style, he stood out. Can yeah, I, I just point out, and I, I think I, I feel a bit uh, a bit let down here, I've got a beard and tattoos, and I've not got a fucking mask in club shop. <laughs> I mean, Dan, I think I mean, you've have your own range of merchandise, mate, with some of your famous quotes on it. Like, start off with the... Um, <laughs> A right back who puts it in less than somebody with uh, horrendous erectile dysfunction. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a no, that's gobble. a bootleg T-shirt. It's a it's a gobful, but maybe maybe that'd be on corner. It's not though, that's not. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> not a gobful, nostril full. Bit weird. Yeah. All right. Uh, right, yeah, so on that now. Um, but yeah, we possibly need to uh, to draw a line with this all of him before it turns down a dark path. So nominations, just to, to recap, John, yours was the social media darlings. Social media darlings, Phil, Frenchie, Frenchie, Ian, bootleg t-shirts, bootleg t-shirts, and mine was falling in love with the unrequited love with lone players. I'd say that's quite a level playing field, boys, because I think there's there's quite a bit of, I think there's a lot of love for all those things from us all here, let alone out in the Twitterverse. So I know we always depending say on it. the age of the voter. I think if the if the voting age is right, I think Frenchie romps that, depending on the demographic of who votes on these. Yeah. We all know I'm way off with my judgment of our demographic anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's been a, it's been a good laugh tonight, boys, and it's also been nice to um, to win some games in the last week. So we can hope that that continues midweek. I mean, we say don't want a cup run, but it wouldn't hurt, would it? Yeah, it's not a big enough squad. If we, yeah. if we manage to get put one together with the youngsters, like great. But I think it's it's asking for a lot. Southampton are a good team, got a very very good manager. Um, but yeah. And on to Derby, and I'm looking forward to seeing you three and the brothers on Saturday. And if any fans want to come and buy any fans of the podcast want to come by as a pint, feel free to come and buy as a pint. We'll be in the corner doing a louder version of this. And uh, a sign that says social media darlings. Just yep, just so you can find us. Not wanting yeah. to bring Phil out in a cold sweat, but you may also see us running up and down Ecclesaw Road on the on Sunday morning after the derby game. Yeah, you might see me walking. 
I might be running back down, but I won't be running <laughs> off. We've got, the, yeah. we've got the four blades in a pub running the Sheffield Half Marathon next Sunday, haven't we? I'm attempting to potentially do it having done hardly anywhere near enough training. So that could be, I don't well, know. Me and you both, mate, I've hardly trained at all and I've got shingles at the moment. So that's going to work well. Well, we'll see. It might be it might be three blades in the pub. Who knows? But we definitely enjoy the, enjoy the derby game on Saturday. And there's no other way to end it than the best way uh, we always do. And that's with our, a classic up the blades. All the blades. All the blades. blades.